3: Hello and welcome to this episode of the Matchball Podcast, straight after full-time in the League Cup game, at Leeds United against Stoke City. I'm Dan Moylan, this is Michael Normanton. Hello. And I'm also joined by Moscow White, Daniel Chapman. Hello. Well, I didn't go to the game tonight, lads, I was working, so I've got no idea really what went on apart from the score. So
4: was it a game of two hours? Kind of. I suppose a game of two halves, but we were better in both of them. Um, but we just let Stoke score two pretty stupid goals and that was annoying
5: bit of inexperience, maybe, let them in. And Sam Vokes, is a, he's been around forever. He was with us in League One, wasn't he? The, the man's been around for a, a number of years now. Um, and he did seem to have the the beating of our centre-backs, unfortunately. But they didn't... Yeah, they did. Across the balance of play, we were better throughout, I thought.
4: Yeah. we all, The centre-backs was a an interesting starting point. We didn't, we didn't have any.
5: We sort of had either none or three, depending on which... Point you looked at.
4: There were three players sort of occupying those positions, whether they count as centre-backs or not, I guess. Uh, Sam Vokes and uh, Danny Bath have the, the evidence of, of that. It didn't necessarily work. It worked enough? Because they went two up? For us, I mean. Having, <laughs> ah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. I always look at things from a Leeds perspective. <laughs> I don't give a fuck what works for Stoke. Um, yeah, we, we were all asymmetrical in the first half, and I don't know how... Uh, it was, like I say, it was pretty successful. We didn't have, this time it was no right back. We had a left back in Barry Douglas and Costa was kind of doing the the two jobs on the other wing thing. I think we'd expected Jamie Shackleton to be there, but he was in midfield with Bogus and Alfie McCalman and everything was, you know, ticking along quite nicely until, uh, yeah, we just can't concede. Uh, well, we can concede from corners. We just can't defend from them without Liam Cooper, I guess.
5: I thought as well the, the the first half it was marked really with a, a few poor individual performances which maybe meant it, we didn't have enough going forward. I thought Shackleton had a bit of an off day. Clark, apart from one little run, I really don't think he touched the ball particularly. Um, I, it's looking at the moment like we might have shafted Spurs a bit in all honesty from, from the little <laughs> bits we've seen of him. And he I think he fully justified his exclusion from the bench in recent weeks as well. Like he, I thought it was very poor.
3: And you don't get many triple sobs. That was exciting.
5: We were talking about that on the way, uh, on the way here actually, how we, it's a game where Bielsa has obviously seen fit to tinker with it and then he's got to half time and thought, Nah, fuck this. I still wanna I still wanna win. I still thought we'd be able to beat him with this. And he was getting very animated on the bench as well, which we've not normally seen. I don't know who the ref was exactly booking but he booked a few of our,
3: because you know you're only well you're only allowed two people stood up at once in the technical area, and we have everybody stood up. And from what I was listening to on the commentary, I think he just booked everybody,
4: three people. He booked on the Leeds bench, more bookings on the bench than the pitch. I would say it's a it was a bizarre carry on all that stuff because I was watching Nathan Jones in particular in the first half, who was um, absolutely doing his nut. Constantly um, kicking stuff, shouting at people, arguing with his players. Even at two 0 up, he was arguing with his centre halves, and they were just looking at him and shrugging. So I was think I was expecting at some point he he absolutely lost it over his side conceding a foul throw. They completely messed up a throw in, and it got given to Leeds, and he went mental at the referee. Then he went barging over to the fourth official and got in his face about it. And you'd think that's going to be a yellow card, but no some of our coaches were standing up. Ooh. And he was uh, telling as well, the first card went to Bielsa. And I've noticed, I think the referees, now that they can brandish a yellow card, they uh, they love they love giving Bielsa the little yellow.
5: The referee, I thought, made some quite poor decisions as well. He seemed to miss a lot of more physical stuff from them. And then when we did the same, give free kicks for it. He gave, uh, he gave a goal kick for what was one of the most obvious corners I've ever seen, which was bizarre. Um... I don't know, he, he just didn't seem to let the game flow in the right parts. He seemed to want to play advantage when we were losing the ball. I noticed him doing that gesture a few times when we were being fouled. And, and Ketty was being dragged all over the place, and he never seemed to notice that either.
4: I think he was a prick, Michael. That's one way of putting I think putting he it. was a prick. <laughs>
5: <laughs> Is it right that they had five at the back again?
4: Something. I was so uh, caught up trying to work out what our lot were doing. Um, I didn't really pay a lot. In fact, we can quote, I noticed, just noticed... Um, Bielsa in his post-match press conferences wonderfully said, um, and I will I will refer you to his comments, I am not analysing Stoke's tactics as anything important. There you go, next question. What does he mean by that? Um, I think he's been asked, like, were, uh, did Stoke do a number on you in the first half to, get, to go 2-0 up or something? And I think he's meaning that they Stoke's tactics weren't the reason that they were 2-0 up. It was us just letting into pretty gaff goals. Um, Which
5: was a fair assessment. Yeah. And we create, we did create several chances through the game as well. We should have won it at the end. Calvin Phillips put a header wide. Davis missed a header, free header from about eight yards Very out. Very bad, Davis. He <laughs> <laughs> it was it was alright generally though. Um, but yeah, we, we had the chances to win it and should have done.
3: Talk to me about Jack Clark then because I'm confused by what he's doing now.
5: I am as well. He seems lost. I don't know if he... Can we loan him out on Spurs' behalf to a lower league club? You're thinking like he needs some time in League One now to get his mojo
4: back. I suppose there was an element of Stoke at the weekend. They played an 18-year-old centre-half and made him captain and then... Tonight they kind of they brought players like uh, Martin's Indy and Danny Bath back in, and players who I think up until I haven't checked exactly because analysis of Stoke's uh, tactics is not important. Um, whether this was the first team from earlier that were brought back who were dropped at the weekend, but certainly there were some more experienced faces in there, and I think he's. Um, He's struggling to make an impact against... And he, at the back end of last season, he was struggling to make, make an impact against players who've had a chance to kind of take a look at him beforehand and who've maybe seen the likes of him before, whereas when he came sprinting onto the pitch like a, a, a free-running gazelle in his first matches, nobody really knew what to make of him. Um, he needs to find some new tricks, I think. And maybe, yeah, he, getting into uh, matches... Um, he had the problem at the end of the last season where he was brilliant in the under-23s and then rubbish in the first team. Rubbish is maybe hard, but you know what I mean. There was a big gulf in the way he was playing and then uh, perhaps it's telling that he was captain of the under-23s last week and then he's in this game and again he's up against the men and he's he's not quite with it. There's probably, there's, there's a, a jackal and hide with Jack Clark. I like that. Jackal and, and hide. Very good. all right, isn't it? It
5: feels a bit like big defenders have realised they can essentially just lean on him and grab him a bit. And that kind of does enough of a job that he loses the ball because he weighs about eight stone.
4: Yeah, he's he's got a lot of growing to do. And it could be that uh, Tottenham have not bought a lemon. It could just be that they see uh, if he gets beefed up. He needs to get Jack Harrison beefed up. Definitely. Less Red Bull and more protein? Well, it was uh, um, sports psychology and a a summer in New York that's made the difference for Jack Harrison, who. Um he was brilliant when he came on tonight I think he was probably the the player of the match in the end um changed everything um and he was the the dangerous one
3: so what was the difference in the in the first half then because obviously we fell behind you but you saying we weren't that bad but obviously there there was something better than that they were doing than us.
4: they scored from a corner and that's it and then the second one um it was their therese Teresa campbell um I think it might be Tyrese. um <laughs> ran around uh, the outside of Calvin Phillips, who I think he realised it wasn't worth dragging him down and taking a card in the Carabao um, low cross. And uh, and the goal, they both really came out of nothing. It was telling um, the biggest barometer, and most of what I was paying attention to in the, in the first half was like kind of where it was going, was how angry and frustrated Nathan Jones was getting. Bielsa, up until the goals, was kind of just sitting on his bucket. Um but Jones, at one point, and I tweeted about it, he grabbed, um, he was, he was trying to intervene in, and I know he's not our manager, but it's funny, trying to intervene in stuff that was going on on the very, very far side of the pitch, trying to like shout instructions while they're, while the play is going on, like not out of play. And because he couldn't get, his voice couldn't carry across between 35,000 people in Holland Road. at one point, he threw his hands behind his back and kind of clenched, like, hit them against both buttocks, thrust his pelvis forward and kind of shouted in the air in frustration. I was thinking this guy and this is after the uh, the foul throw meltdown and i have seen um and before they were two 0 up and he was having an absolute barney with one of his defenders who was looking at him as if like Why are you shouting at me? I don't even know who the fuck you are Um he was having a real bad time and that said to me a lot about how good leads were in the um, in the first half and I, I tweeted so the two goals are probably my fault because I was because um, I'm kind of helping uh, fill the Phil Hay gap for a week um, I thought I'd do the goal tweets and also because it wasn't on the telly um, and I said uh, around that time that yeah 35 minutes I think it's coming Leeds are going to score soon and that's how it felt it just it had that feeling of we'll put the ball in the net but it's a match without Hernandez it's a match without maybe even Bamford it's a match without that moment that player to, to kill it and do it, so um, so we ended up conceding. But something wasn't right, evidently, to the point
3: where it necessitated three subs at half time. So, why were those subs
5: made? I think because Jack Clark wasn't doing anything, mm. and Harrison came on and had infinitely more energy, was involved in more or less everything, was chasing stuff down, was beating men, was overlapping well, was like creating space for other people as well. Whereas it sounds like we just using this as an excuse to completely pan Jack Clark. But he didn't do anything. He was really frustrating me in that half. Like he wasn't he wasn't putting in the, the mileage. Like we said Harrison when he first came on, you pointed out Moscow wasn't actually that good for about the first five or ten minutes, but he was still doing the work, which is which is part of Bielsa's system, is that you put the work in and it creates space for everyone else. And I just don't think Clark was doing that. And it seemed to I mean that side was pretty stagnant.
4: Yeah, there was a moment when shortly after about ten minutes after Jack Harrison come on, and he kind of missed a couple of passes. And I was watching him as he he just given the ball away, and I was thinking you can kind of tell he's come on as a half-time sub, so he's not had a he's not spent twenty minutes warming up. He's just been thrown into this. Um, but as I was thinking this, he raced after somebody, so kind of elbowed them out of the way on the touchline, and back heeled the ball back into play before they had a chance to get it under control. And I was thinking, but he's fucking working really hard, and uh, and he just got better and better. He kind of warmed himself up into the game. What was I think one of the reasons why. Uh, initially when I said like there wasn't as much wrong with the, the first half and I hadn't really uh, thought through Jack Clark necessarily I think it's because um, I wasn't particularly thinking of Jack Clark I know he got subbed off but as a young player that's a, his experience so I was thinking more McCalmont on his debut I don't think did very much wrong in midfield he, he did alright Bogus on his, his first start um, played the whole game and he he, he loves a volley He loves the ball just being anywhere the ball is. He thinks he can volley and score. He loves a half volley too, all that stuff. Um, Leif Davis as well played the whole match and got in a lot of really good, strong uh, block tackles that were important. Um, So my overall vibe was kind of like that there wasn't much wrong with the young players who were were on there. But then, yeah, so maybe it is or just we pin it all on Jack Clark.
5: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I mean, Shackleton, I thought, had an off day as well. He, I've seen him play much, much better than that. He just seemed to run into players quite a bit and he, he couldn't really find any space. So that bit wasn't working, whereas Forshaw came on. Admittedly, they were leading, so they were they were dropping off a lot more by this point. But he was holding back a little bit on his runs and finding little pockets of space that maybe Shackleton wasn't.
4: I mean, the, the, the team Stoke had tonight should have been a lot better than the team they had on. Saturday because they had a lot more experienced players and they had players who you would think um, it's just that gap in experience I think so Shackleton and Clark in their first run out proper run outs of the season they probably come against up these guys who should know what they're doing um, and then we brought on Harrison and Forshaw who were just better than those players so we just went up a level and it was just kind of that it was kind of I don't think there's any particular cause for concern. Um, about Shackleton and, and Clark off, off of this performance. Um, it's just like, it's the natural levels of progression that you get. It's just, yeah, yeah Stoker's somewhere in the middle between that quality and the quality that we were able to bring on.
3: And uh, what else changed then in the second half with the
4: subs? I assume Bielsa absolutely laid into them um, or whatever he does at halftime in the dressing room, it just makes it clear that he wants this game won. because there was much more impetus. Um, the first half in there being nothing wrong with it was kind of like the classic So We were just going through everything, doing the good things, keeping it running, trying to get the, the goal. Um, the second half, it was now we're going to play at top speed and we are going to, we are absolutely going to force the ball into the net. And, uh, you kind of had a, a feeling like the um, the first goal that we scored wasn't, although I think it was a surprise to Jack Butland, it wasn't necessarily a surprise that we scored. It would have been surprising if we had not scored to get back into that game tonight.
3: And good work by uh, Niketia as well to, to Megs him and then just pop it in and be alert for that as well, because they're not always alert, are the strikers?
5: It was, um, I must admit, I hadn't seen entirely what had happened at the game because it was just a standard clearance and I'd glanced away and then the next thing I knew it, and, and Nketiah had the ball and was just knocking it through his legs and running it into the net. Um, but I have since seen it and it is very funny.
4: It's very, uh, we're, we're discussing this on the day that he announced his retirement, it's very Beckford against Norwich, that kick out, mm. controlling it. And uh, his touch past Butland and uh, was absolutely brilliant.
5: Talk me through Helder Costa's goal, then. It was very good, Davis, down the left. Um, it's a hell of a cross, a very nice cross, and Ketia nearly got to it as well. It was, it was one of those that I believe uh, a pundit would refer to it as being in the corridor of uncertainty, <laughs> where the uh, the goalkeeper can't really come out for it. Although Casilla would have done.
4: I mean, when it's uh, Jack Butland in this form, the whole pitch is a fucking corridor <laughs> of uncertainty. It's a pitch of uncertainty. <laughs> I get the feeling you really fucking hates Nathan Jones. You know, just saying.
5: I, I do. As cruel as it is, I do enjoy getting on the back of a goalkeeper when he's having a bad time. It's really good fun. It'll never be quite as good as Alex Smith is. That I was know. That was the best times.
4: He's, uh, he's back with um, Warnock. He was playing he? for Cardiff the other week. I don't know if he's their regular first-choice keeper. But, I hope uh, so.
5: I'd like to see him again. <laughs> um, but yeah, it just went to Costa at the back post and... The Stoke players are completely switched off. There were two of them just not being asked to mark him. They I think the just...
4: whole team hates Nathan Jones, you know. <laughs> That's the way I'm feeling.
5: They accidentally got themselves in a 2-0 lead. I'm like, fucking hell, he's going to... Be... Oh, we're keeping him in a job. <laughs> <laughs> i got to do something about this. I didn't notice Nathan Jones came over and, and applauded the cop at the end as well, which was slightly strange. Do you think it was sarcastic? I don't know. He's a, He's a very intense man. I think he's... Yeah, I don't think he quite knows what's happening all the time. He, <laughs> was. But he wants to do everything with a lot of passion.
4: Yeah, he was so wound up all through tonight and it just didn't seem like it could have been helpful for him. Um, and certainly the players didn't seem to appreciate a word he was saying. But um, yeah, the, it was a very good goal. We'd come close a few times, hadn't we, by that point? Um, and uh, again, kind of like the, the first one, not that surprising. Like, it just felt like we had enough for an equaliser.
5: Yeah, the, the chances were there to win it. There was another one there where the ball came across and, and Ketchy couldn't quite adjust his body. It was mm-hmm. more or less a, an open net, but he it was kind of an awkward height for him, and I don't think he could quite get his feet to it in time. Um, and then there was a Phillips header, a Davis header.
4: The Phillips header was good from a was it from a corner? Yeah, in injury time. And then uh, yeah, because we took it short. Key Cocasia was absolutely desperate. He really was, wasn't he? Was both in- of those corners? <laughs>
5: Yeah, ninety fourth minute, you could see him. He was tapping his wrist, wasn't he? And looking at the bench, I, going, know, I he go. He was like, "Come on, come on." <laughs> He'd already. They won't, yeah. he won't. The ref won't let them attack. It's the last. It's the last minutes of the game. He'd
4: already sprinted past a ball boy as well to get the <laughs> ball back for a goal kick. He overtook him, and the ball boy was going at a fair clip as well. Like he wasn't hanging about, but he goes like, "No, I'm doing this."
3: Vamos, yeah, vamos. vamos. Uh, just going back to Helder Costa. How did he play generally then? Because this is the first time we've kind of seen him start to finish in the flesh, isn't it?
4: He's very good. Yeah, he looks good. <laughs>
5: he's just really, really quick, very direct, scares the shit out of fullbacks. He's, ve- he's excellent.
4: I think the one criticism is he's maybe he can be a little bit easy to get the ball off, but then other times you just won't get the ball off him. It's, 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 kind of a difficult point. I saw, um, some Wolves fans kind of talking about his pros and cons before he came and I saw it tonight and kind of knew what they meant where there will be times when he will just kind of, he'll be trying to go past someone and he'll just give them the ball, but then that's worth it for the, 10 or 20 other times when he's just absolutely yeah, he, racing past them.
5: He does try to go people past people every time. So, yeah, you know, Which is great. You are going to lose it sometimes. Yeah,
4: and he's very good at um, what Jack Harrison's also good at, of uh, keeping the ball in on the goal line. It's like, you think they're never going to get there and then suddenly somehow there's a cross coming over.
5: I feel like with the way we play as well, maybe that was something that was lacking last year. Pablo can change games with passes and things but if teams are set up very well to defend against us and last year we didn't have any pace and we didn't really have anyone with a trick having someone like that in it's a bit like when you sometimes see Barcelona without Messi they don't have quite the same vibe going on whereas I'm. I'm just saying that yeah. Helder Costa's is as good as Messi. Yeah, I was going to say
4: one game in the uh, the Carabao Cup and Helder Costa is Leeds United's Messi. Not
5: saying he's as good as Messi, just to be clear. But that sounded like you did. But, <laughs> but you know, having a having a player who yeah, can right. who can just turn a game in an individual moment.
3: I'm is, pretty sure we um, we said this last year, didn't we? That that's the thing that we liked. We're, we're good, but when we can't get through teams, we have to have somebody who can go around people. Well, that's
5: what we lost when in because he was someone who could do that as well, in a different way to Costa. He wasn't as sort of directly running at people, but he could find little pockets of space and he could beat men in, you know, little two or three yard spaces.
4: I think it might have been the, the Carabao Cup match last year against Preston that Saiz came on and he just went into the gap between their midfield four and back four. And just played his game in there, and they couldn't get close for him. But he was looking for through walls and trying to get the ball wide for a, for somebody to cross and or get direct to the striker. Whereas Costa just gets the ball and just runs. Did Baradi play like a really really good long pass over the top into the, the northeast corner for him, or did I just fall asleep for a while and dream it? I can't, <laughs> it was either. It happened, but and I looked over. I was like, oh, who played that? And it looked like it had come from Berardi, but um, I think sure was near enough that it might have been him instead. But I'm sure it came from the boot of Berardi. But it was just it was a beautiful ball, um, uh, just a very long pass out of defence. And we could we should talk about uh, Ben White's cross field pass um, into the penalty area where Costa was offside. But um, yeah, Ben White had the ball sort of nearer our left back position than anywhere else, and I thought he just. I thought he got bored. I thought Tom Lees would back and he just launched it forward. And then you suddenly realised that he spotted Helder Costa running in off the wing and played a eighty yard, absolutely perfect ball into his path that Costa, I think he might have taken it first time, just volleyed at the keeper, um, and was given offside before he before he'd hit it. But um it was um a big wow moment and that is, yeah, it's something that we wouldn't have been able to do last year is have uh, a long ball launch to this really fast winger who's got him behind uh, the back four or three or five, however many of them were.
3: Penalty defeat, penalty miss, a little bit harsh on Jack Harrison after coming on and uh, and being decent in the second half.
5: It was actually a really nice moment at the end because I feel like last year his relationship with the fans was a little bit fractious at times. He seemed, he always seemed like a nice lad and everything. So it was never, it was never kind of a Steve Morrison, let's all thoroughly and deservedly hate this person. But people got frustrated by him. Whereas this, he, missed, he did miss the crucial penalty, but it, he got a really good reception for it and he was kind of clapping the crowd and doing a little hands in the air, like, very sorry about that yeah. gesture. And it was nice. It was a nice little bonding moment, I think. Maybe it, we can all be friends properly now.
4: It was nice that the crowd left uh, with singing his name um, because his second half performance deserved it. I think he was absolutely brilliant. He's he's not got the pace of Costa. Um and he always kind of had that persistence last season, like the back heel off the goal line thing is something. Did we score against Sheffield Wednesday like that? He, he, even and Douglas were keeping the ball and he just mm. suddenly, um, you thought, oh, it's gone out for a goal kick and suddenly he just dragged it back and we scored. Um, he's always had that persistence, but now he does seem to have added the strength to kind of, um, he's just really strong on the ball. And I think that makes a big difference. His first today. touch
3: was, as well is, he's, he's outstanding.
4: Oh, yeah. There was one moment when, um, uh, Ryan Woods came in to tackle him, and it was just absolute feather feet to just dribble around him like just touch, touch, touch. And Ryan Woods was absolutely nowhere to be seen after that. And you could tell he enjoyed it as well. There was like a real kind of like, oh, you're not getting this ball. I'm just going to, um, and keep it, um, which was really nice. But it comes with this kind of, um, this belligerence of just, he's not going to give the ball away. Somebody comes in, it'll either be a trick or he'll stand up strong um, and try and keep possession for Leeds, which is what it's all about, really. It's just kind of, if you can't make something happen, just give it to another Leeds player who can try. And we're getting, that's where we've been good all season.
3: Are we bothered about losing this game? Are we bothered about losing on penalties?
4: No, massively.
5: And I think if it's a nice way to go out as well, because there was still a good comeback on it. It's not even really a defeat, is it? Not really.
4: If we'd lost 2-0, it would have been annoying. Instead, we had a really entertaining second half. And uh, uh, the shootout was... Um, did you see our ball boys? No. One of them was... I only noticed them when... Uh, and they can't just have arrived there when uh, Butland took his penalty. Um, so, But there was about 15 of our ball boys kind of off to the side of the goal, diagonally on, uh, just behind the goal line. All ranked like, you know, when you take a team photo and there's some up front, and some behind like that, all going, whoa, and shaking the hands and trying to put Butland off. I don't know if they've been there all the time because I was concentrating on the, the penalties and trying to see who was going to take one. And has it gone in there in the net and stuff? And then I just looked up. and I was like, what are all those kids doing? You can't do this. And given that the, the referee booked three of our coaches just for standing up. I was amazed. And he was doing the thing as well. I, I tweeted before penalties were taken. Um, one that Jack Butland in front of the cop or the south stand would be interesting. I'd, I'd kind of not allowed for the fact that we were giving a, we didn't want to put off our own attacker, so it was quiet when he was saving, um, or trying to save. Um, and then that the referee would would be absolutely checking Kiko's feet for encroachment. And there was one point he was going over. I thought he was going for his pocket, really looking at, an inch. I saw Dale. I saw a movement there, but he just kept going over. VAR,
5: to him.
3: VAR.
4: And Kiko was just like. Fuck off. Like, look, just fuck off.
3: And I take it if we're going to pick any heroes and villains from this game, then the is going to be somewhere in that villainy uh, pile.
4: It's um, Bonnie Langford's son again. It's Ollie, Ollie Langford was the referee, um, who I'm, I've just tried looking through his history to try and remember the time when he uh, upset us before. I don't think he's necessarily upset us before. Um, the fourth official, on the other hand, definitely gets a villain, James Bell, because he was the little snitz who kept coming over. Snitz, schnitz, sass, grass. He was the grass. A snitch. It's been a long day. He was the little grass who kept saying to the referee, Oh, you gotta come and book them because they're standing up. And you know what? He is an American. Why are we having American <laughs> referees? People complain about, um, there being female officials in football now, and they are wrong to do so and they should take that complaint and use it against the infiltration of our game with damn Yankees. Um, I don't know which part of the USA he's from. I've tried to find. But his previous experience, so his fourth official... quite a few
5: listeners in America, haven't we?
4: <laughs> that's lovely, but don't come and referee our football <laughs> matches. His, um, his previous match was Premier League 2. Poor so Eddie Lewis. The under-23s. Poor he was, Mike Grella. Uh, he booked five players in Man City versus Chelsea. His, he's been fourth official at League One um, early round FA Cups, English football trophy. Um, I think this is his first game that he's been involved in between the f- two first teams of two championship teams. Um, as far as I can tell, and if he's gonna just be a little whiny grass, he can fuck off. As far as I'm concerned, he was very annoying.
5: Going out with Frank, Frank Lampard. Oh no, that's your game.
4: He's been a linesman at Blackburn versus Milton Keynes in uh, oh, he's done quite a few oh no that's the only championship game i think he's been a liner i
5: think this is a bit too rambly
4: anyway he was an, he's a villain
3: <laughs> it was a bit rambly was that but we'll, we'll forgive you You
5: pulled it back on on track <laughs> saved me having to edit anything out there uh what about any heroes in Ketia, uh, in the the podcast we recorded earlier today I was pointing out that um a goal tonight would see him level with billy painter mm-hmm. done it, already still in aug- still in
4: august we haven't even put that podcast out yet Nope, and already, still in
5: august more goals than billy Payne to managed in his Leeds career <laughs>
4: well as many uh jack butland yeah it was quite funny i've really enjoyed that goal it was very good of him to provide that um and also jack harrison i think jack harrison probably wins the battle of the jacks tonight um for missing a penalty but he was so noble he was so. I'm sure. I've not seen an interview with him afterwards, but I'm sure he'll be uh, he'll be apologising to the fans um, and such. So uh, it was. It was an
5: oddly touching moment. I thought everyone singing his name at the end. I feel like he'll like us more now and try harder and be better. This is what
4: people don't realise about Leeds fans. We're lovely, lovely people. So kind and generous in uh, in all situations. And he experienced that. And. Uh, um, and it is a shame, it is that kind of rough justice if you work so hard, you come on as a sub, save the game, uh essentially, not to dismiss the contributions of Adam Forshaw sure and um who else did we bring on? Ben White. Ben White. Um but uh yeah, Harrison was the one who caught my eye and deserved deserved better. But we're just not gonna have a annoying third round match that we'd be moaning about having to uh, deal with. Um be where, price. Yeah, this will be where Stoke get a plum tie and then people say, I wish we'd stayed in. I'm not bothered. Yeah, but if Stoke get a plum tie, I mean, that if you send that team out against fucking Manchester City or something, phew, uh, Jones had better get praying for that one. I hope he just gets sacked anyway. Because <laughs> they, I mean, you can't let that kind of lead go and have that kind of arse coming back off the pitch from your own players and have the the club board going like, nope, actually we were wrong. This is the right guy. Let yeah. him carry on.
5: It's not really a win you can properly celebrate, is it? To to have scraped a penalty win against a largely reserve Leeds team, you know, it's it's a shit victory. Is who what I'm saying, and you should not be proud of it, Nathan. Who are they? If you get know. if you get another print done of this one for your <laughs> for your corridor, this will
4: be of him applauding the Copper Ellen Road. <laughs> I just want to see who they've got at the weekend. Birmingham, mm, Birmingham away.
5: Look, if Stoke have actually got quite a good squad, and if they sack him now, they might bring in a good manager who can set them on a run to the playoffs. So, if this keeps Nathan Jones in a job for another week or so to cast them further adrift, then maybe it's all for the best.
3: Yeah, anything that hinders another club, and they're clearly being hindered at the minute. So, yeah, I'm all for it. Well done, Nathan. So, if, yeah, we, we've done a, a service to ourselves.
4: Yes, we, we've given him another chance, haven't we? We've let him have a, we've let him, let him kind of win. It means so much to you. All right, we'll give you a two-goal head start and see how you get on then. It's like, oh, oh God. And then you accidentally score twice. Oh, God, he's going to really be upset now if we, <laughs> if we don't let him win this. All right, penalties. Well, it seems like we're in fairly high spirits considering we've just gone out of the League Cup,
3: which in years gone by might have upset us a bit, but it's hard to get annoyed about this, isn't
5: yeah, it? It was a decent performance. It was quite a nice full ground, which is good. It feels like people are on board with the defeat. <laughs> <laughs>
4: yeah. It was fun. I heard somebody coming out in the uh out the back of the cop saying something along the lines of if it had just been like a two nil defeat or a nil nil, it would have been awful. But we saw a really good football match in the second half in particular. Leeds were decent in the first half and then the second half. It got really exciting. You love a fight back. Um, And it's all kind of meaningless, you know, it's just, it's the Carabao Cup, it's fucking, it's Sean Harvey's testicles in a jar.
5: We weren't going to win it, were we?
4: No, it would probably just have become, there was already some of those murmurings of people saying that. Well, we we even said it in the podcast this morning, it wasn't murmurings, we said it to each <laughs> other's faces um, about whether this game is a distraction from the league. Um, And we kind of said, well, it's nice to give the under 23 players a run out we've seen that backfire with Jack Clark and there uh, and Shackleton. Um, although it did work for the others. I think uh, one of the benefits there is probably, uh, all right, so somebody needs to get a grip on Clark and Shackleton and just sort of tell them like, if they're arguing about Shackleton's sister and all this stuff is just like, <laughs> calm it down and, uh, and concentrate on your football uh, lads and try and get back to where you were last year. But, uh, full games for Bogus and Davis, um, I think, are helpful.
3: And let's hope that nobody's on board with a defeat at the weekend because that's different gravy. That isn't is it? very different. Very different gravy. We will speak to you after that game on the Matchball podcast. Watch out for the regular Squareball podcast and loads more. Check out the Extra Ball if you want to get behind us. We'll speak to you on the next one. See you in a bit.
0: The Squareball Podcast.